0: You're listening to episode 85, brought to you by Sacred Ground Sticky Floors by Jamie Amarin and HelloFresh. You can find Sacred Ground Sticky Floors at your favorite book retailer. And for a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes, visit HelloFresh.com CTL60 and enter the code CTL60. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa. You can find out more about the podcast at cultivatingthelovely.com, in our Yellow Brick Road membership community at patreon.com cultivatingthelovely, and in our Facebook group. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram, where you can find me at Mackenzie Coppa. That's M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-K-O-P-P-A. Ladies, first of all, you'll have to excuse my sick voice if you've been following along with my other podcast, the same page, then you've probably noticed that our literary episodes have gone away because i haven't had a voice to be able to record them so in the next week or two we'll be back with peter pan starting a brand new book i'm really glad we were able to get through the wizard of oz before i came down with this horrible case of laryngitis but nonetheless here i am at least getting this podcast out to you guys because we don't want to miss a week of cultivating the lovely right we got to keep cultivating the lovely even when we have no voice And this week is a very special treat because I got to interview Shannon Martin. You guys... It was such a delight to talk to her. Our conversation went so deep, so quickly. There were so many points in her brand new book that I felt like we didn't even get to touch on. I hope to be able to have her back on the show again at some point so that we can dive even more into so many of these topics. But a community and really pressing into where you're at, I feel like is a topic that's coming up with a lot of books out in the Christian market right now. And so, even though it's a topic that's similar to a lot of books, they each have it in their own way. And Shannon's new book, The Ministry of Ordinary Places, definitely has that memoir-esque quality that I really love of nonfiction. You really feel welcomed into her world and the city that she lives in and how she's pressing into community and what that looks like on a different scale than probably a lot of us have experienced before. So I really hope that you guys are going to enjoy this episode because it was so much fun and just so deep for me to be able to record with her. And of course, I want to mention if you guys want more goodness from Cultivating the Lovely, you're going to want to hop over, join. our Patreon community at patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely we've been getting out a lot more episodes of what Ingrid and Fiona like which has been a lot of fun again I've been on a little bit of a hiatus of getting in the extra content for these last couple of weeks because we had a death in the family and I've been sick but other than that we've been doing really fun fall episodes and plus when you join the cultivating the lovely side of things you also get everything from the Yellow Brick Road, which accompanies the same page podcast. So you get all those fun podcasts, and extra content as well. It's a great two-for-one deal. So you should head over to patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely to find out more about what we're doing there. And lastly, before we jump into this interview, I want to mention that I so appreciate when you guys share about the podcast on social media. When you do an IG story showing that you're listening or what you're doing while you're listening, it's not only encouraging to Me, but it helps the podcast to grow so that I can bring in even bigger authors, even bigger speakers, all those kinds of things to make it an even more valuable show to you guys. And even just you sharing it helps keep the lights on around here. And if you haven't left those ratings and reviews and iTunes yet, they're a big deal and they really do make a huge difference. So thank you to all of you who have done that. And if you haven't, just hop over there. It'll only take you a minute or two and you'll be doing a total solid for this podcast. So Thank you to those of you who are about to go run over there and do that. I appreciate it. All right, let's get on with this show, though, because this conversation with Shannon was just so much fun. Welcome, Shannon. Hey, how are you? I am doing well this morning. How are you? I'm great. Well, I guess it's not even morning where you are, right? Oh yeah, it's yeah. all the same. Yeah, just, I'm
1: just a couple hours further into the day yes. than you are.
0: <laughs> I went to Arkansas this past summer, and I felt so ahead of the game because I gained I... two hours. It was like I'm not behind the entire country now.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, it's funny
0: Coast. because I
1: am typically, you know, I work from home, and so I I tend to like. Ease into my day, you know, working yeah. in my pajamas for half the day. And this morning I had an early morning, I had to be like showered and looking presentable and out the door by seven thirty and then my meeting was done. Yeah. You know, I got home about nine o'clock and I was like, oh my word, I should do this every day. This yeah. is like
0: I feel like I had, you know, all this extra time in my day. It was yeah. amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. Well, this year I homeschooled my kids for seven years. And so this was the first year that we've been like up and out the door every morning. And then I come work at my parents' house. And so it's just been a total shift like, oh, wow, I'm like up and dressed and doing things. How crazy is that? Yeah, (laughs) it's a total game changer. So I am so excited to have you on the show. I saw your book on Amazon this summer as I was just kind of scouting around seeing things that might be coming up that maybe publicists would be reaching out to me about, and I immediately saw yours, just the beautiful cover, and I was like, I don't even know who that person is, but that cover (laughs) makes me want them to reach out to me. See, that's what every author wants to hear. Yeah. So thank
1: you. I think you're the first person to really say it to me in so many words, but that's, you know, that's the goal, right? Is that- And there's, it's, it's interesting as an author, there are so many conversations around, you know, finding the right cover. And that's what we ultimately want is for people who don't even know me to just be drawn to the book. And I, my design, you know, the, the design team at my publisher, they just nailed it with this cover. I, I am obsessed with it.
0: Well, it's like the perfect balance because, okay, if you guys haven't seen it, then you're going to need to hop over to my show notes right (laughs) now and click on the Amazon link because it's this perfect blend of simplicity because the whole thing's a white cover, but then like hominess and coziness and comfort with all of these beautiful mugs, which are actually your mugs, right? They are. They're my mugs. And I, you know, I have this sort of
1: maybe neurotic habit of number one, let me say this, I, and we'll go into more of this story probably as we talk some more, but, you know, because of, of the way my life is and we live on a really tight budget and this is just the way that it goes. And I, but I also really, I enjoy decorating and pretty things and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's something that, that is, you know, something I enjoy. You enjoy cultivating the lovely. (laughs) I do, as a matter of fact. But I, like, most of the stuff in my house and on my body, my kids' bodies, comes from a thrift store. Yeah. So I have this old, it's a battery rack, like, that used to hang in, like, an automotive store. And I bought it ages ago at a flea market, and I carried it from house to house, and I never knew what to do with it. And then we moved into this house six years ago, and I was like, oh, I think I could hang it in my kitchen. So I did, and so I have all of my, all of those mugs that are on the cover came from a thrift store. They Most of them came from Goodwill. That's
0: so they're awesome. beautiful
1: and they're quirky. And yeah, I I could not have dreamed that they would end up being the cover of my book, but like right? they're getting their 15 minutes of fame right now and I think they're loving it.
0: That is so funny. <laughs> now I'm just like staring at it like, oh yeah, that is a battery rack. <laughs> like, that's yeah, awesome. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's So it was like a divine moment when I finally realized what to do with them. And then there's kind of a... A little basket part that hangs below that is not in the, you know, Mm -hmm. that part is not on the cover, but I put my dish towels and dish rags and stuff in that. So it's (laughs) like perfect.
0: Totally. It's beautiful. Well, I don't know how you managed to get this whole cover to come together because I know that can be a bit of a battle, but this is it's beautiful. So well I done. Can, I really can't take
1: any credit for it. They they did a great job. I just I took the picture, and that was my contribution. So I'm glad you loved it.
0: Well, that was going to be my next question. Like, did they have someone come in and scout your house for like pictures of no, things? Well, but, oh, I guess that's you the took thing. It. Yeah, I I started talking
1: about my neurotic habit, and then I didn't finish that thought. So thank you. <laughs> um, I do this thing. So I'm you know I'm thrifting pretty regularly. I go to thrift stores, and I've I've started collecting these cute mugs because if you see like if you see just looking at the cover now if you see the mug with the whale on it for mm-hmm. 50 cents you're going to have to buy it yeah. I mean there's just <laughs> there's no choice in the matter so I've amassed this big collection of mugs so what I do now <laughs> is I change them out by season that's <laughs> awesome it's so ridiculous but like so when I take it this changed, was summer this was the summer mugs yeah. and so I, I'll post now and then on Instagram like okay it's fall you know yeah. here are my full mugs so the art department at my publisher just on their own I mean I did not give any input into this it was not my idea they went in and pulled that picture off of Instagram on their own so funny. and then they they asked me to just come back and take like you know a more high resolution picture uh-huh. so I just recreated it and took a better picture and there we go
0: That's awesome that they would even think to look at your Instagram for it. I know. They're
1: they're geniuses. Yeah, they are.
0: I'm way more (laughs) impressed with them now than possibly I ever have been. (laughs) That is so fun. But I skipped, we're six minutes in, and I skipped a big part. But we were just having so much fun talking. So would you like to introduce yourself, who you are, and where people can find you? (laughs) Yeah, my name is
1: Shannon Martin, and my family lives in Goshen, Indiana, so we're in just a a small Midwestern city we're up near the Michigan line so we're in the way northern part of Michigan
0: Um,
1: and I'm married to Corey he's the chaplain of our county jail we've been married for about 19 years and then we have four kiddos Um, all of our kids were adopted so we have Calvin is 13 Ruby is 12 Silas is 10 today today's his birthday.
0: birthday I know
1: And then our most recent adoption is Robert, who is now 24. So we adopted way out of this order. We adopted Robert when he was 19. Wow. So Yeah.
0: You don't hear that happening very often. Well, I
1: know. Who could have ever imagined such a thing? I mean, he's, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday and she was like, yeah. And then, and then there was a, you had a big surprise. She was like, literally, he's really big. He's like six foot four. (laughs) Um, He's yeah. So he's on his own now. Um, but yeah, he's been a part of our family now for five years.
0: Wow. What a gift. That's awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool. How fun to hear that. Okay. So I want to start off saying, okay, so I'm, Full disclosure, I like to tell people whether I've read the whole book or not. And you guys, I've had like 80 million books (laughs) sent to me for 80 million authors that I'm interviewing this fall. So I haven't read the whole thing, but I'm a good quarter of the way into it. And again, this is one of those books that has got pink highlighter all over it and little notes like that's that's the next step highlighting it that's one thing writing my notes in the margins that's when you know it's good (laughs) and I just love how you not only have amazing wonderful things to say about community and really like pressing into relationships and that sort of thing but you have such an eloquent way of saying it not every book you come across is beautifully written and there are sentences that i get to the end of and i'm just like i have to just go back and reread it not even to appreciate what it's saying but how it's said because Aww. you do such a good job of that so Thanks. well done. yeah
1: well thank you you know i mean that's the thing we every writer has his or her voice yeah and this is the voice that i discovered that i have and so you know there's that thing in me that. Um, You know, everybody's kind of drawn to different things, but I've always been drawn to more, you know, when I was a big fiction reader, now that I'm an author myself, I find that I don't read as much fiction as I Mm -hmm. used to, and I kind of miss that. But when I was reading primarily fiction, I was really drawn to more, you know, more of a literary style, and beautiful writing is just something that I really value and appreciate. So it means a lot to me that you said that. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, and I mean, I enjoy all different kinds of writing, you know, I can think of very specific books that were just more conversational. And I think because I'm kind of toying with the idea, I've written a few chapters of possibly writing a book and putting together a proposal. But I think my style is more conversational because that's just who I am. But I really love when I can pick up a piece like this that you just feel wrapped up in the language and it's like it just adds a whole nother piece to the experience mm-hmm. of reading a book and that can be really fun especially because i've been so entrenched in nonfiction for the podcast right. this fall and they're not all like lyrical like this sure and right so it's been a nice change of pace oh well thanks yes absolutely <laughs> This week, one of our sponsors is Sacred Ground Sticky Floors, How Less Than Perfect Parents Can Raise Kind of Great Kids by Jamie Amran. Jamie is a mother by birth, adoption, and foster love, so she knows a thing or two about the joyful chaos of parenthood. And it was in one of those mayhem motherhood moments that Jamie received a text from a friend and her perspective changed. It took her eyes off the mess and she began to focus on the sacred in each moment. This is a book for readers who feel that they've messed up as a mom, who perhaps think they've failed their children, their spouse, and their God, but Amarin offers hope. She delivers a totally relatable account of her hilarious and honest experiences and misadventures in motherhood. She's eager to help readers see how to let their Heavenly Father parent them so they can embrace peace as they parent their own children. Readers will learn that in the midst of their failures and fears, they are still loved royally as a child of noble birth. They will learn that their children are in better hands than their own and that they don't need to hold on so desperately. Amarin's message for readers is that their home is holy too. She says the living God wanders your halls, searches your heart, and dwells among your family. The place where your family comes to know that you love and lean on Jesus Christ to get you through sleepless nights, apple juice spills, and all the trials of motherhood and life is sacred ground. Amarin invites readers to find the miracle and the mayhem of motherhood and meet the one whose presence turns sticky floors into sacred ground. Find Sacred Ground Sticky Floors by Jamie Amarin, published by Harvest House, wherever you buy your books. And if you want, you can even use the link that we include in our show notes at boldturquoisecom turquoise.com forward slash zero eight five. So I always think it's fun, though, before we really dive into what the book is talking about and everything, because especially I wasn't familiar with you before this book. I would love to get some of your backstory on how you even became an author. Obviously, you found that you had this, you know, beautiful writing style and all of that. But how did you even get here? You've now written two books. What what started all this?
1: You know, it's, for me, the journey To becoming an author has been a long one in some ways and it's also been a big surprise to me so I have been a lifetime reader I I I was the kid who you know and I grew up out in the country pretty simple living Um, but my idea of fun as a kid was like I can still picture it in my mind you know the the old school I mean I'm 42 I'm probably quite a bit older than you but the old school like um, lawn chairs
0: mm-hmm. with the
1: nylon, yep. like the
0: colorful, They're woven, we Yeah.
1: yes, the woven ones. We had a lounger,
0: <laughs> you yes. know, like that you
1: could stretch out on. Yep. So my idea of, of like a, was I'm living orange? my best life. It I was just, green. Okay. It was green. I my wish grandma was, had the green I, ones. We had the orange ones. <laughs> orange would be good too. Yeah. But I mean, I remember just sitting, you know, lounging on that lounger in the summertime under a shade tree with a bowl of cherries and a big stack of library books. I mean, that was nice. like,
0: what could be better than That's this? That's like so I... a Mary Englebright picture. Like you right. could just see her. Yes. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, like, yeah, of course yeah, I do. I could see her drawing that totally. See, bowl maybe now she will. Maybe, maybe she will. Who's to say?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I've I've been a pretty voracious reader my entire life, but I never had aspirations of being an author. I mean, I think it always felt pretty, you know, unattainable enough that I really didn't even consider it. And I, you know, I can think back, I remember when I was in sixth grade, Mr. Miles was my teacher that year, one of my favorite teachers. And I remember him giving me feedback on a little, you know, we had to like write a little book and I wrote this compelling and gripping story about twin brothers named Chad and Brad. But I we had to illustrate it and you know, make a cover is a big deal yeah. for a six year and I remember and I probably still have it somewhere, but he wrote like you have a gift for writing and oh. I can only imagine <laughs> what <laughs> I need to just dig it
0: out and revisit. Yes. It. But Chad you know, and Brad got it all started. <laughs> because the names have to rhyme if of you're of course. Twins. Well yeah. They so either have he... to start with the same letter or they have to
1: rhyme. So I think Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, you know, I had those, those little moments along the way that kind of lodged into my heart somewhere. Um, I studied psychology in college. And so again, you know, I was, I, I honestly don't know what I thought I was going to do with that psychology degree, (laughs) but I was, I was doing a lot of writing. That was a big bulk of my work. And I think that was part of the reason that I, I excelled at it and I enjoyed it. Um, I, out of college, got a job at a political think tank. We lived in Washington, D.C. for a while. And so there wow. I was doing, like, pretty intense policy writing. So I was I was always kind of, you know, writing came naturally to me, but mm-hmm. not really creative writing. I just didn't do a lot of creative writing. I was never a real consistent journaler, which mm-hmm. most authors would say that they were, and I just, I never did. Um, so, you know, once I was settled in as a mom um, I started a blog, and you yeah. know that's where a lot of authors yep. right now kind of seem to have gotten their start in blogging. But you know, I just started it for fun, and I started it really f- to kind of hold on to a piece of me as a person. I think, yep. um, and I didn't, I didn't even articulate, I couldn't have articulated that at the time, but that's really what it was. Yeah. and I,
0: I did the same I, thing. So yeah, <laughs> I totally uh, I mean, get what just, you
1: mean. It's like you get those kids down for naps and yep. I mean, for me, it was either like I'm going to take a nap myself, which usually didn't end well because, you know, yeah, I mean, nobody else goes along with that plan Yeah, when you try to do that. But so for me, you know, we got a point and shoot camera, our first digital camera, probably around the same time. And I started going outside during nap time when I could and taking pictures of the property where we lived at the time we lived in a beautiful, very idyllic um, farmhouse setting. So everything was new to me. It was was my dream home. It was just stunning and gorgeous and peaceful. And, you know, I would take pictures and then I would come in and load them onto the computer and I would write a little paragraph about it. But over time, like, you know, other people have said, I mean, people started reading. And it was a surprise to me, it was a shock to me. And, you know, what I didn't realize was that as I was sitting down to blog and I was blogging an obscene amount, like five and six times a week, I was blogging and I wasn't writing a lot. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: But still, that's a lot. It was very consistent and it was clearly like a real important outlet for me. Um, But I didn't realize I was practicing, you know, I didn't realize that this, that this mattered in a way that I couldn't have even imagined. And over time I developed that writer's voice that, you know, we talked about at the top of the show. I mean, I just, I found my groove and I settled in and in some ways, you know, I, I could say I'm even a bit surprised with the voice that is within me. Um, I'm not necessarily, you know, in my normal, you know, speaking with my kids and my husband, I'm not super lyrical poetic i mean who would have guessed but i you know i'm a thinker and i'm a noticer and and those things really started to come out in my writing so we moved from the farm to the city and that was just a humongous shift in our life in a lot
0: of different ways um i've recently had that shift as well (laughs) i moved from 12 acres to the heart of our city yeah yeah big change (laughs) It's huge. I mean, for us, it was like
1: our our jobs shifted. We adopted Silas, our third kiddo at that time. We realized that we just we kind of had this pretty mind altering perspective change. I mean, it, it's hard for me to even sometimes articulate it, but it, it was just for us this 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 very clear awareness that. God had more for us and that God's more for us was going to look like less.
0: Yeah, And so,
1: you know, that launched us into, um, you know, we both lost our political jobs in really unexpected ways that had nothing to do with us. You know, they were just kind of swept off the table. My husband worked for a congressman, his congressman got wrapped up in a scandal and Uh. resigned suddenly. And, you know, all these things happened. So we ended up with much lower incomes. We ended up, you know, In a low-income neighborhood, in a nearby city, in a much smaller home, in a much less desirable school for our kids. I mean, every step of the way, we were just taking, you know, big leaps down the ladder, which was something, you know, we had no frame of reference for. You know, people didn't do that as far as, like, you only take steps. Um, But when we got to the city, and we've been here, we've been here six years ago. It's a small, it's a city, but it's barely a city, and we're in just a very ordinary and kind of shabby in some ways um neighborhood so we live the neighborhood life and and once we were here i really discovered my story so it's it's kind of like you know i found my voice in the city and i found or i'm sorry i found my voice in the country and i found my story in the city oh um, i love that yeah and so that's when you know it was it was here in the neighborhood that I started to pursue the idea of publishing and, and really what you're doing right now, Mackenzie. I mean, that's, you know, I knew a lot of authors who were saying things like, oh, a publisher just asked me if I would write a book or yes. an ask me if I would sign with them. I mean, I never had anybody knocking down my door.
0: And, and so, I'm so glad to hear those stories because I yep. feel like I have author after author on here. It's like, oh, they just, you know, saw my article that went viral and I was asked no. to for a three book deal. And it was like, really? Wow. Okay. We, we do hear that. And and here's the other thing I'll say. I have been writing
1: steadily and blogging, you know, for ten years or more now. Yeah and I have never gone viral. I have never written something that I would say went viral. I mean, now and then you write something and it, you know, it gets a bigger response than usual. But, you know, so, so I'm always here for that conversation to say, you know, I know that that happens for other people and good for them. I mean, that must be wonderful, but that is not the way it happened for me. And, you know, I did what you're doing now. I just, I felt this story blooming in me. And, you know, I, I was more and more, you know, feeling like I had something to say. And then I saw an agent out and then we did a proposal and then we shopped it around and I signed a a book deal. So it was was a slow journey.
0: But that's so good to hear that because I think that sometimes we feel like unless God just drops it in our lap, then it's not from God. But I think that there are, God can put dreams in our hearts and things that we have to work for. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't have that for us. It just means he wants us to go through that whole process.
1: Yeah. 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 There's, there's not one way. There's just not one way. There's not a prescription for doing this. And, you know, I'm, I know there were times that I just felt like I got the hard option or, you know, like the the really (laughs) slow. I mean, there were so many times, so, so many times that I I believed in my heart, like, okay, this is just not going to happen for me. And that just has to be okay. Yeah, there's something different. This isn't the thing for me. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's all a journey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I'm so glad that I'm just glad to have those other women out there who saying, yeah, it's it was hard one, but it was worth yeah. it. And so, yep. you know, that's, that's encouraging for, for us who aren't quite there yet. <laughs>
1: And no matter what your whatever your work is, you know, like, yeah, I think no matter what it is that we're doing, it's easy to look at how other women or other people yeah. arrived at, you know, a destination that we think we might want. And I don't know, like, I just, I think it's so important to really um, keep a lot of different perspectives in mind and, yeah. and not just see that there's this one track for success.
0: Absolutely. If, if I've learned nothing else in the last year, it has been that because I was so set on, well, this is just, there's like a right way and a wrong way to do things. And you just yeah. do it what, you know, you, you believe is the right way. And I've had to reassess every single minute part of my life. And I feel like it's been God humbling me and teaching me so much that he's like, look, I'm so much bigger than that. And I can work in so many different ways that you have got to give some credit to.
1: Yeah. Don't box me
0: in. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So how was it different writing this book from writing your first book?
1: The first book for me was, you know, I sat down to write that proposal out. And, you know, you're probably aware of some of this, but you sit down to write a proposal and, and you really are writing a pretty detailed outline for the book. Yeah. And and I didn't, I'm sure I knew that, but I mean, I had never done it before. And so the, the, writing the proposal was it felt pretty hard. Um, I was used to just sitting down every day and like, let's see, what's the yeah. biggest thing on my mind? And I'll write about it and push publish and, you know, not think about it again. Yeah. Um, this took just a different, you know, it required a different part of my brain and commitment. Um, but once I had that proposal done, the the writing was not easy ever. Yeah. But my my outline never changed, and so I really, you know, I sat down and wrote that book, and it it really stayed. I found the outline tremendously helpful as I did the writing, and when yeah. I would get stuck, I would almost remember, you know, as an afterthought, like, oh wait, I do have written down somewhere like where I thought I would go next. So how about if I yeah. refer to that
0: and, and nice. try that?
1: With with the second book, I I signed a two book deal, and so it was just time to write the second book, whether I felt ready yeah. to write it or not. And that was hard. You know, yeah. that's, and I remember, I, I love my editor, and she's been my editor for both books. But she said, you know, she was just with me every step of the way and trying to keep me encouraged. But she said, Shannon, you have your whole life to write your first book. Yeah, And when she said that, I was like, That is exactly right. Because in my first book is called Falling Free, Rescued from the Life I Always Wanted. Yeah. And that really it it's a it's a little more it's not memoir, but it's it really does tell not necessarily in a linear way, but it it tells my story. You know, it tells our story of how we went from there to here and it's it's a good bit of of that kind of storyline. And so I really was, you know, when she said, you have your whole life, I, I, it hit me because I'm thinking, yeah, that was the book that I wrote first was like, this is, this is my life. Now for this book, for the Ministry of Ordinary Places, it's, it's also pretty, um, it's got a lot of memoir elements to it. You know, I'm still talking about my family and our life. But, you know, I just remember thinking, oh, I have really messed up because I, I said too much in that first book. Yeah. You know, like, I said everything. You did give it yourself all. room. I didn't, I didn't, I should have, like, left some, like, <laughs> content for this next book. And, of course, it all worked out. But it was yeah. just, the the outline was a lot more in flux, you know, just mm. trying to kind of, the timeline and even the. The timeline for the content that, you know, the personal living that I was pulling from, everything was compressed. And so I just had to dig a little deeper and I had to be more flexible. You know, we were up to the wire of editing that book saying like, "Uh, these two chapters are really pretty similar. So we're going to cut a chapter Wow. And now I need to write another chapter. I mean, there was a lot of that happening with this wow. book. And I didn't have that experience with the first one.
0: Yeah, I bet. So, and even in terms of, so you, you've you written this proposal with the first book, you shop it around, you get it picked up, and then you sign a two-book deal. They, they've already committed to have you do another book with them. Do they require a proposal as much with they, that second yeah.
1: book? Yeah. You know, they do, but it was a much more basic proposal. Okay. Um, So, yeah, and that's where, you know, the proposal was easier Mm -hmm. for the second book.
0: Yeah, Um, but the writing was harder. but But then that made
1: the writing a bit harder. And I think, you know, it's, and I, everybody's experience is different. I mean, you know, I, I also, I write so much in both my books about my, my place, my neighborhood, mm-hmm. the people around me. I mean, I'm writing a lot about the idea of really what it means to share our lives with the people around us. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, those stories are really, they're really rich, and they're really compelling, and they're sad, and they're hopeful, you know, we yeah. are spending our lives and really living our lives with people who, who do kind of live at the edges of of society in some ways. I mean, we were friends and we've really become family with a lot of people who are coming out of incarceration, people who are struggling with addiction, people who have grown up and continue to live in poverty, um, immigrant friends, you know, there's just, there's all these really interesting stories. For me in the second book, I found that it was even more meaningful because Mm -hmm. those relationships were... They were, you know, two years richer and two years yeah. uh, special to me, and you know, our relationships had just grown in that in that window of time, and so that made it that made it more personal sure. in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I really did love the things. I mean, especially as I mentioned, it really resonates with me. All of a sudden, you know, living in the city, it's like it's such a change of pace. I had been out in the country for five and a half years when I picked up and moved literally to the most downtown you know spot that I could move yeah and just hearing like there was this one quote now I have to try to find it where you say you were quoting someone else oh Sarah Miles for me paradise is a garden but heaven is a city Yes, and it isn't until you kind of live in that hubbub that we had been trying to get away from for so long, right. but I realized it was so energizing for me, yep. and especially when like spring came, and there started to be so many more people around. Right. And there was people just come like, back to life. <laughs> yeah. And it was like the air was alive because people yes. were around, and I love that. I love it, too. And I, I mean, that quote of hers,
1: I just maybe, I mean, I don't know. I tend towards drama. So, (laughs) uh, but I'll say it anyway, like, maybe it's the most, one of the most meaningful quotes I've ever read in a book. I just remember reading that and thinking, oh, she gets it. Yeah. Because it, you know, it took me by surprise too. I had always been, I had been raised in the country. My dream was to live in the country. And we did that for a while. You know, when I was, when we were on the farm and I started my blog, I blogged for, years and years. I mean, it must have been seven years under the name Flower Patch Farm Girl. Yeah. So that was even like the name of my blog. I mean, it was central to who I was. And I, at the point that we knew we were moving to the city, I just remember thinking like, okay, God, we'll do this. But I mean, I'm not going to find it beautiful. I'm not going to, you know, I don't, I'll try to love it, but I don't know how that's going to be possible. And then, and then we got here and I was like, oh, you know, this is this is a really different and a more vibrant picture of the kingdom of God. Yes. That I that I had kind of missed out all along.
0: Well, and I think especially in a culture where we are so reliant on devices for communication and you really get kind of isolated and separated and then when you move to the country, it's taken to a whole nother level of isolation. And right moving into the city, you really can start to experience community again in a really a different way than I yeah. have so far. Like, I mean, you talk at length. The whole thing is like about your neighbors in this yeah. book. And it's been so strange to really have neighbors that you talk to and you exactly. know and you go on walks with or they will come yeah. help with the dog or it's just a, it's such a different experience.
1: Yeah, it is. And I, you know, I want to always be really sensitive to the fact that not everybody lives in the in the kind of context that I live in. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that this is, you know, the prescription for, you know, this isn't it, it can't be prescriptive. So sure. this, I'm not here saying like, so now what everybody needs to do, if you want to <laughs> yeah. experience the kingdom of God, you got to move to the city. I mean, I think in some ways, it's just easier for me here. And I'm yeah. really aware of that. And I'm grateful for that. I think I know so many people though. We have so many friends who still live out in the country or in the suburbs. You know, that's where most people are living in the suburbs, really. Yeah. yeah. um and so there there are ways to still cultivate that community and build that community. But when we talk about building community, that implies hard work Yeah, like building something is hard work it's not going to be easy it's not going to be you know it's going to be uncomfortable it's going to be taxing in a lot of ways and we have found that you know it's been our road and our path to community here has has been in a lot of ways really slow yeah and and i think that's good i think that's kind of the way that it should be and and you know that gives us some endurance along the way and you know so no matter where we are i mean i think we just need to accept that at the point we value this and this is something that we want more of in our lives that's the first part Mm -hmm. but then you move into the second part of like okay now it's just going to be it's going to take a long time and it's going to be a lot of work and sometimes it's going to be frustrating
0: yeah absolutely i i totally agree with you on saying it's not prescriptive absolutely i think you have to know who you are as a person, I think for me personally, living in the country kind of allowed me to have this sense that community wasn't necessary or that being there for your neighbors wasn't necessary because we could be autonomous out on our little farm and Mm -hmm. we were going to be fine. And it wasn't until I was kind of forced into community and to have my eyes open to all different types of people who were around here that I realized oh like maybe maybe isolating my kids from all of this wasn't the best thing maybe you know like it just for me it was able to have God open my eyes to there's a bigger picture here that you can be involved in and good things can come out of it and good lessons can be taught to your kids. Where I think there are people who live in the country who naturally do that anyway. For me, there was a separation and it was really good for me to come back and kind of have that forced on me to realize some of those things. Same, same, same. Everything you just said, I feel that. I mean, you
1: know, Corey and I are both introverted people for one thing. And so for me, I mean, Living in the country was perfect for me, you know, because yeah. it's like I I have to really force myself out of my comfort zone. It still does not come easily to me. Yeah. And it's a it's, it is a big part of my life now and I've learned that it's important in ways that, you know, it's like I I know that it's important and I also know that it does not come naturally to me. Yeah. So, you know, it's it does require that work. And like you're saying, I mean when I was in the country, I was just happy to to be living yeah. really pretty inwardly focused. Because yeah. I just I didn't know I didn't see any other way. I didn't even it didn't occur to me mm-hmm. to live any other way. It was just easy to do that. And now I think, you know, I'm still an introvert and I still um, you know, I I don't know. I feel the tension all the time and talking about, you know, I, I just, my career is really about neighboring. Like that's the stuff I'm talking about, speaking about, writing about, but I'm still me. And I, God did not miraculously transform me into this outgoing, um, you know, chatterbox who just, I mean, I have come to really rely on community in really personal and important ways and in ways that have, quite honestly changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> my neighbors have changed the way I see the world, they've changed the way I see my faith and they've yeah. changed the way I vote in some ways. You know, they've yeah. changed they've changed my ideas about independence and autonomy and finances and you know, I could go on and on. So I I know the importance and I feel it every day and I would never trade it in. But you know there are plenty of times that I'm the one introverting inside my house when, sure. when I know like oh my neighbors are outside and they're having a lot of fun and I'm just I'm just gonna need to sit here right yeah. now like it's just what I need right yeah. now.
0: absolutely. You've got it. You've got to know how to still take care of your own personality yeah, and everything sure. in the middle of that. All right, ladies. You guys have been hearing as I've been popping in and out all throughout this show. That i am sick oh my goodness i am so sick this school year we have just been hit with sickness after sickness including a nasty bout of laryngitis and it pretty much laid me flat so if you're watching on insta stories you probably saw how thankful i was when our hello fresh order arrived last week it meant that i didn't have to plan the meal i didn't have to shop for the meal in fact i didn't even have to do a lot of the measuring for the meal it was all done for me and i was so so grateful for it. So if you're not familiar with HelloFresh, it's a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy, which is really nice if you're busy or if you're horribly ill. (laughs) So I really, really appreciate what HelloFresh brings to my family. They have a variety of different plans. You can choose from classic veggie and family. Each box is made up of fresh responsibly obtained ingredients and they make family dinners fuss free, even for picky eaters, which is so nice. It helps me out because it makes the whole process of getting dinner on the table more feasible for my family. I'm less likely to turn to takeout options when I know that I have a HelloFresh meal that's packaged in its cute little bag all ready for me to just throw together that evening. Plus, a lot of the recipes are one-pot recipes for seriously speedy cooking and minimal cleanup. They have great recipes that help me to get out of a recipe rut and help my kids to try things they wouldn't ordinarily try. Our favorite from this last box that we received were the cheddar fajitas. They're really yummy. All of my kids just gobble them up, which is always nice when I'm not having to fight kids to eat dinner. Especially, again, when I'm not feeling well. I just want people to eat. So if you want to spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping and have everything just arrive at your door, then I recommend that you try out HelloFresh. You can get a total of $60 off. That's $20 off your first three boxes by visiting hellofresh.com slash ctl60 and entering the code ctl60. So give yourself a break this fall. This deal is like receiving six meals free or up to 50% off three boxes. Again, for a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes. Visit HelloFresh.com slash CTL60 and enter the code CTL60. That does bring me to one of the other stories that I loved in your book that was really centered around the importance of actually listening to people. And yeah. you were saying that gal who was like riding a bike or something and then your husband came out and had known her from the political (laughs) arena and they'd been on the opposite sides of the fence and it was like uncomfortable but then you guys were actually able to enter into a friendship with her when you were willing to listen exactly and she has become just a wonderful friend of mine we
1: I mean she's on city council now she's super busy you know everybody's doing their own thing but we meet now and then for coffee in, wow. at the coffee shop in town and when we meet we are like we can't we can't do it very often because when sure. we do we're just there for hours yeah. like we and then we both have that moment of like oh my gosh like i have actual things to do but we just we you know my friendship with her is is really special to me and it's sure it's special to me in part because, you know, on paper, her and I might not have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, yep. we don't express our faith in similar ways. We have different, we have some political, um, what's the word? Like there are so, yeah. yeah, we have different, we have commonalities though, but we do, we still have some, some differences. Um, we have different, you know, we're at different life stages. I mean, on and on and on, but she with her whole heart, cares about the welfare of this city. Yeah. And and so do I. And so we come together on these like really basic. I mean, I sent her a text just recently saying like, "Will you drive to my side of town and just see how treacherous the train tracks are? Like the the streets are eroding around the train tracks. I'm like somebody's going to lose a small child in one of these <sighs> holes." I mean, it's just so hard. But I can text that to her knowing that she'll do it. Yeah. And she'll drive, she'll drive over to my side of town and she'll drive over the tracks and she'll see it for herself. And then as a member of city council, which I am not, I mean, she's going to go to bat for the people of the city and particularly for the people in my neighborhood and and in other neighborhoods who, who do not hold the power, you know, people who, people who need, um, they need people to stand with them. They need people to stand for them. And she's just one of those people. So I, yeah, you know, that moment that I wrote about was like, so awkward and uncomfortable. um, Because her and Corey had a pretty contentious relationship that I did not know about. Yeah. And So it's funny now. I mean, she read what I what I wrote before I, you know, before I turned in all my sure. edits and stuff. And she was like, you know, she's like, you do not have to hold back. Like I did hold back a little bit, but she's like, you know, you're being a little, you're painting this even a little too nicely. Like it uh. was pretty, our relationship was pretty Im- embittered for yeah. a while. Um, That's but so it's, funny. it's amazing to see how things change when we, when we make space to listen to people that we think we might not agree with.
0: I absolutely agree. And I think it's something that, Especially as Christians, we do such a bad job of just being willing to listen to the other side. And when people feel heard, they're more willing to listen to what you have to say. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've had that experience even with my hairdresser. I mean, we have little to nothing in common other than the fact that we gather together in her salon for her to do my hair. You know, I mean, that's pretty much it, but I love talking with her. Our conversations are always so interesting because she's talking about things that I never enter into conversation with anyone else about because I'm just not in those kinds of circles. And we because I didn't like come in there and hammer her with my faith and just, you know, be the one that wanted to be heard the whole time. After, you know, years and years of going to her, you know, one day I remember her saying, okay, so I want to have this discussion with you because I know that you will have a real discussion with me. You won't just like preach at me or something like what do you think about feminism or what do you think right. about abortion or what like and just we, really like light and breezy topics. yeah yeah but the <laughs> yeah. only reason she was will- because she knows I'm a Christian and all of that but yeah. the only reason she was willing to get into those conversations with me was because she knew that I wouldn't just be all judgy and force things right. down her throat like we right. could actually have a conversation about it that our beliefs
1: are not inherently threatened by hearing
0: somebody else's beliefs.
1: It's not dangerous. It's not going to cause our faith to crumble. Like I was sort of taught along the way. Like it's like you, you better be careful even talking to somebody who believes differently because that's contagious.
0: Yeah. but When we are able to meet people at the table, Jesus can do so much more work than if we have these big, guards up right yeah I love that and that was just I just felt that it was a really touching story that you put in there and then it also spiraled down I think it was maybe even in the same chapter where you were talking about you know allow really truly listening to people but also passing the mic to your kids and really listening to what your kids had to say without just trying to fix everything or give them Christian platitudes but really listening to the hard things that they were going through Right. That yes. spoke to me so much through everything that my kids and I have been going through for the last year. It's like how I just sit back and be like, how often do I just be like, but God's got us or this is what's going to happen or it's going right. to be OK. Like, how much do I just sit there and say, OK, just talk to me about what it is you're feeling about this.
1: Right. And and that it's safe to be honest. I mean, I think so many of us grew up with this feeling like if we had questions, we it wasn't safe to to talk about them. You know, yeah. I mean. I remember being a child and even into adulthood, like you have those moments where you're like, I don't feel like God is real. Like what, what is really, what is this really? Yes. But I wouldn't have dared. I wouldn't yeah. have dared. And it, I mean, I had wonderful parents. They were not going to, you know, I don't know yeah. what made me even feel like it was something I couldn't have said. Um, but I do feel like probably their impulse would have been what my impulse sometimes still is, which is like, well, you just got to believe. Yeah. Just got to believe, you know, it's like, there's this impulse to just kind of shut this down, because we're so scared that, you know, something is going to crumble when really, we're not so much in charge of whether, you know, of holding it together, like this isn't, this isn't on us. And we know that God is, is the one holding it together. We know that that God is, is holding on to us and he um, can bear our questions. And yeah, I mean, that's the that's the challenge because I've had I've had my kids, you know, say some hard things about God, just very typical When, when you hit the age that you start to see like, oh, terrible things happen. Yeah. You know, your kids are going through hard things. My kids are they are constantly coming in and out of just feeling the losses of adoption sure. and, you know, all of the question marks in their lives and some of them that will never probably be answered. Yeah. And, you know, these are real things that these that these little kids are feeling. And it you do, you know, they're hitting that place of like, so what the heck? You know, yeah. what the heck, God, like, what is this? And, and the impulse is still in me sometimes to just be like, you know, like you said, like you threw out those platitudes hoping to just shut it down you know yeah. like just shut down this conversation because it's uncomfortable and i don't have answers and but yeah we just we, we really do our best to just make space for the conversation to make space for the questions to be grateful that that we are people that they you know we're parents that they feel comfortable coming to with those doubts and those questions
0: yeah yeah and and it also wraps me into a quote that I read in your book that says, I wanted a faith that could ride out a howling stretch of pain, keeping its spark through the low winds of drought. Instead of, I think you were comparing it to having the faith that could move mountains. Yeah. And I love that because some of the time, I mean, you can have these really long stretches of really going through things, but to have a faith that will, will keep abiding <laughs> at some level yes. all the way through that is... Yeah, you know what a lot of us want.
1: I grew up in a church that was very much about that faith that could move mountains. Yeah, you know that that sort of faith that was, um, you know the the pressure was on
0: for yeah. me, and
1: I always felt that pressure. Like, okay, it's my job. My faith has to be big enough, and if I'm not moving mountains, then that that's a reflection on me, and it's not a good reflection. And you know, I just I felt like I could never run fast enough. I felt like I couldn't outrun my faithlessness, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I just, I just always, always felt that. And so it's had, it's had pretty interesting implications in my life in a lot of ways. But I think, you know, at the point that, that I moved away from that bad theology, because I'll just say that I think it's bad theology. I mean, you know, and, and it has its place. It's not that it doesn't have its place, but I think we really misuse it and we abuse it. Yeah. And, you know, suffering comes knocking. You know, yeah. suffering comes to our door in one way or the other, at some point or another. And, and how is our faith going to sustain? How are we, like you said, how is it going to abide? Mm-hmm. How can we abide through suffering if we have only been led to believe that that means you know, that there's a lack of faith on our part. So I just, I started to really, you know, just cast that away. Like I cast it off, you know, I just didn't, yeah. I didn't believe it anymore. And I living, living in proximity with people, friends, neighbors, beloved souls who suffer greatly, mm-hmm. you know, that's where as much as I, you know, I I already kind of knew that that felt bogus to me, but then we moved to this neighborhood and, and it gave me this new lens for seeing really everything. Like that theology does not work in my neighborhood. And so if it doesn't work in my neighborhood, it doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, if it's, you know, when you're telling somebody addicted to meth that they just need to believe strongly enough, believe hard enough That God will heal them from their addiction. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't heal us from our addictions. Yeah. But healing doesn't always, it doesn't always happen on our timeline. It doesn't always happen when we think it will. And quite honestly, it doesn't always happen, (laughs) you know, in terms of, I mean, I think, I think God is just bigger and, you know, He is all seeing and He is all knowing. And, I mean, there, we just, we know too many people that, that wrestle these things down. And sometimes after years healing comes and sometimes, you know, it doesn't mean that it's never going to come, but man, we just haven't seen it yet. And so it's like, it's like, what do you do? What do you hold on to in the midst of that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I feel that not for addiction, but just like in the middle of trying to get out of a very abusive situation where it just Uh feels like those tentacles will not, let go like it just it can't be stopped the process is so much longer than I ever anticipated it would be and so much harder and bigger and to still keep riding out that faith in that kind of prolonged space of pain you know that has to be bigger for me than thinking, oh, God's just going to sweep in here and this is all going to be over and it's magically going to be better. Right. Right. Yeah. If only. Yeah. Oh, if only. But, you know, you have to come to that place of just being like, "All right, God. All right, I'm I'm going to I'm going to believe you through this anyway. Help my unbelief. Yeah. Just yeah. help me to help me to hold on. Yeah. You know, help me to
1: be help me to be faithful. That's you know, we've really reshaped our ideas of success, you know, no matter what we're talking about, but you know, whatever it is, whatever we're going through, that success cannot be about a particular outcome. It has to be about our faithfulness. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's not something that we're going to do perfectly either. I mean, we're not perfectly faithful. We're not, but if we can, if we can, you know, lean on the Lord for endurance, for, um, the ability to abide when things feel really fuzzy or really out of reach or really painful, you know, to just, I mean, those are some of the desperate prayers that I've prayed along the way. It's just like, you know, God, just, you know, help me to love you right now.
0: Yeah.
1: Help me to endure through this season. Help me not to to become cynical. Yeah. That's a prayer that I pray often. Like, just yeah. help me to help me to remain hopeful. Help me to believe that you can, even if I'm not seeing it right now, just help me to believe that you can. So yeah, I I feel that.
0: Yeah. Well, it's good stuff. I'm so looking forward to reading the rest of the book. As I think I told you before I started recording, sometimes I get into the books and it's like, okay, I got to get through it because I'm, you know, going to have the person on the show and I want to know what I'm talking about and have a good interview. But this is one of them that's like, I'm not done with this one yet. I I need to spend some time here and really ruminate in it. And, you know, yeah. I like just have it next to my bed and have it be something I start with in the morning. And I, I'm really looking forward to just mining all the goodness out of this book that you have in there. So thank you so much. Yeah. That means a lot to me. Thank you. It feels like a little gift wrapped in mugs. exactly (laughs) so what does a typical day in your life look like Shannon
1: okay right now my kids are in school so you know that a lot of my life and schedule is dictated by that but all of my three little kiddos are still in school so I get them off to school I used to walk my kids to school every day and this year that has shifted man it's it's like breaking my heart a little bit yeah but this is the thing this is what life does to us it just keeps moving and we get to move with it so
0: yeah
1: um yeah my youngest rides his bike to school so far this year it's about to get cold and so that might change and maybe I will reclaim my walk to school yeah when the weather gets cold that's crazy (laughs) I know, but I, but I've been taking the two middle schoolers to middle school and then I come home and I live a very, um, I live, you know, we're all just people and we're all just doing the things that we do. So I'm doing very basic things. Like my typical routine is I come home and I turn my tea kettle on. I am not a coffee drinker. I am exclusively a tea drinker Okay, and I make tea and I sweep my floors and you know I don't have anybody helping me clean my house or helping me with anything really other than my family yeah Um, their help is questionable yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) so I just you know I'm doing those basic everyday things and I'm settling into my work as you know sometimes I have meetings at the coffee shop sometimes I'll walk or drive in and work at the coffee shop but I'm very much, especially right now, and this changes a little bit. But I'm very much in a work season right now because yeah, this book is coming out sure. soon. I'm just working hard. I've been working at home a lot more lately because I'm, you know, recording podcasts and doing things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super connected with one particular—I mean, a lot of families, but one family in particular who has school-age kids that we um we partner with them very closely, and so in some ways, they've got three kiddos in some ways, I have six kids in school, wow. and so I you know, I was at a meeting for one of for one of those neighbor kiddos this morning, and you know that keeps me kind of busy. so i'm I'm That's always aware awesome. that between between my physical work um and you know, it's a real fine line for me between. My work and my, my neighbor work, which yes. is, you know, that's just, I believe that that's, it's part of my job. And it's yeah. a part of my job that I really love, but it's really important for me to, to always make space for that. And that, you know, those conversations happened over and over again with this book where... Yeah. I mean, my neighbor stuff—it just really, it does come first. And and my publishing team and my agents and everybody—they really understand that about me, and they've been
0: That's wonderful. really great
1: about that. But yeah, I mean, it's this is—you know—I I always say I'm a I'm a wife and a mom and a neighbor, and wow. writing is my writing is my side hustle. You yeah. know, like writing is the thing that I do when I'm not doing those other things. So, um, Silas, my youngest, gets home every day right at three, so. At three o'clock work really stops for me. I mean sometimes I'm still kind of checking email here and there. My agents are in California, so a lot of times their communication comes through later. So I'm still yeah, kind of we're
0: behind. Yeah, I'm yeah, behind. You're in ca- you're in well, I'm in Washington, but same okay. West, Coast, yeah, you know. the West Coast. We're behind yeah, everybody. So yeah. It shifts things, you know. It's like all of a
1: sudden I you know, I am a little more keyed into email and and that kind of thing. But you know, when my kids get home, I really love shifting gears into, um, because I really try, especially when I'm busy like this, I really try to not get too focused on what needs done around the house while it's my work time. Yeah. But once my kids are here, like I go back into that, like, okay, now I can fold the laundry. Now I can't cook dinner. I love to cook. And that's something I enjoy. Corey and I always feel like we are like we have the ministry of meetings like you know where people are like oh you know are you what what work are you doing in your neighborhood i mean we're not doing any work in our neighborhood we're just being neighbors and we go to a lot of meetings so yeah. maybe that counts for something
0: that's funny
1: um, so we we just we try to stay really involved and connected in our community but man you know we we have a bible study on monday nights that is like a huge source of life to us yeah. and we're just just living this very ordinary life
0: I like it though. That's that's good to hear ordinary people doing doing cool things. Yeah. So yeah. And I kind of cracked up when you said that you go work at a coffee shop because I recently said that to someone. I was like, Well, I drop my daughter off at preschool and then I go work at Starbucks. I was like, I well I don't I don't work I don't... at Starbucks. I, I do my work while I'm sitting at Starbucks. Right. Like, yes. Yeah. I I gobble their wi fi. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I don't I've actually had... make coffee. <laughs> I've had people confuse, you know, I
1: confuse people with that too. It's funny. Yeah.
0: Okay. So what is a way that you are currently cultivating loveliness? I'm
1: always going to come back to cooking and baking and spending time in my kitchen. That is, that is the way I cultivate loveliness in my home. I, especially when my kids were younger, I was always really keenly aware of the fact that I was not. It, it was outside of my natural preference to be like, let's play Barbies. Yeah. Or, you know, I never, <laughs> yep. that was hard for me. And I always felt some guilt that I wasn't doing that stuff enough, but you know what? I've yeah. just come to see my kids, you know, we all remember different things from our childhood. Yes. I, I think my kids are going to remember me being in the kitchen and cooking for them yeah. and just really, um, treating them well at the table. I mean, we're not yeah. fancy people. Um but you know, I cook dinner most nights and I, you know, on weekends that's that's something that's really relaxing to me. So I, you know, I sometimes bake on the weekends or I just yeah, that's my contribution. That's what I have to offer and it's for me it's restful while also, you know, really providing um for my family and expressing my love to them.
0: Yeah. That's that's a great one, and it's productive. It's, like, restful for you, but also productive. Right. It's like,
1: yeah, two birds with one awesome. stone, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, how I have been cultivating loveliness, I had been on a big, like, kick of watching some of the new shows that were coming out and everything, sure. but I hit this wall last weekend where it was like, I have so much work to do. And I'm just not getting enough rest. And I really love reading, but I wasn't prioritizing it. And I know that I always feel better when I do prioritize it. And so I told myself, which was crazy, terrible timing, that this week, the week when all of the new shows are debuting everywhere, right? like the you know network channels, that I was going to take a TV fast.
1: And Ooh.
0: I was just going to commit to if I needed to finish up any work in the evening, I would do that. But then I wouldn't turn on the TV, I would read. And so far it's been more work than reading, but I have been able to at least read a little bit every night and I haven't just got myself sucked into the TV. I'm going to make one exception. There is one show that I watch with my son. And so that's like kind of our special thing. So on Thursday night, I will watch that one show with him. But other than that, I've taken off the whole week and it's been really good like a really good rest for my brain
1: yeah that's inspiring and we all want to know what show it is will you Uh, tell us or not is it a secret
0: i can't i i don't think i should say okay right fine. you can edit that out no i i'll (laughs) tell you later (laughs) that's fine that's fine just yeah yeah i'll tell you later (laughs) but it's a good one um okay are you ready for my stock questions Yes, I think so. All right. Candles or essential oil diffuser? Candles. Okay. Cloth napkins or paper? Cloth. City or country? Sorry. I have to add cloth from the thrift store. That's awesome. (laughs) That's great. goes with your mugs. Yep. Yep. Okay. City or country? City. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Paper or digital? Paper. Okay. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? I'm not a
1: big shopper, but I would say in the store. And again, because most of my shopping is thrift store shopping. Okay. So yeah. I'm going to go in the store. That's difficult to do online.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's four o'clock or whatever time you make dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music?
1: Um, If my kids are home, it's music. And okay. if I'm somehow cooking when they're not around, it's podcast. Okay. And what are some of your favorite podcasts? Oh, geez. Okay. I'm ready for this. Okay. I I love a podcast that's newer to me. It is called um, Justice in America. Okay. So I listen to a lot of, like, the, I don't get a ton of podcast time because I really like silence. Okay. <laughs> um, but when I do, they tend to be kind of heavier hitting, you know, yeah. justice minded. Justice in America is absolutely fantastic. My family cares about incarceration stuff, and it's yeah. it's all about that. Yeah. Um, I just started the new season of Cereal,
0: and okay. I'm all over
1: that. S-E-R-I-A-L, not like yeah. what you eat. This- <laughs> yeah. And I am just getting into the new podcast, Out of the Ordinary, with Lisa Joe Baker and Christy Purifoy. And it's, oh. I mean, they're talking about the ordinary, which is everything that I love talking about. And they're just they it's it's fantastic it's it's very new but I'm loving it
0: awesome that sounds really fun I have not checked out any of those I mean I know what cereal is but I haven't ever listened to it so yes maybe I will have to check them out absolutely okay chocolate do you prefer milk or dark
1: oh dark all the way all right amen sister
0: (laughs) okay sports or no sports no sports. All right. I'm there with you too. Okay. <laughs> Live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? Probably broadcast. All right. Sounds good. What is your favorite movie?
1: Oh, good grief. I what know. Is my Who watches movies anymore? <laughs> Let me think about this. I, I'll give you like, can I give you three that just come to mind? Okay. Is that cheating? Sort of, but that's okay. Okay, I'm such a I'm such a more is more. Um he, I'll give you 2. I'll okay. give you 1. Fine. <laughs> Fine. I'll play by your rules, Mackenzie. The one that
0: comes to my mind You totally most... did that to yourself,
1: by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The one that leads to the top of my mind is called Waitress and it's with oh, Carrie Russell. Oh, yes. Do you see it? Yes. I mean, some people hated it. I loved it. I love Carrie Russell. I loved the pies. Have you seen the I musical? Mean... No.
0: and Should the, I? Well, I haven't seen the musical, but I'm familiar with a lot of the music. Oh, especially coming out of my circumstances. Yeah. But wrote. Sarah Bareilles wrote the music and just go, go YouTube it. It's but you guys like good, it?
1: Okay, it's amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's super powerful.
1: Okay, so. I'm on
0: it. Yeah, and you know the whole backstory with the lady who wrote it. I can't think of her name. Yes, who's in the movie? And what a sad story.
1: Was she in the movie or did? Oh yeah, she she had like a
0: small role, right? But was she she... also like director or something? Well, she maybe. I know she wrote it. She was the one kind of the nerdy girl with the glasses. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think before the movie even came out, she was killed. Yeah. Yes. By, like, random. Yeah. Like a guy, a construction worker in her building. Yep. But, yeah. Um But now it's gone on to do all these amazing things, and there's a Broadway musical. So, yeah. I can't wait. I'm so yeah. glad we had this talk. I know. And here's another. My, my friend Rebecca knows me as, like, having random interesting facts. So we're on that tangent now. But... <laughs> the gal who I'm not sure if she's starring in it, but she's in it, is married to Leslie Odom Jr., who was in Hamilton playing Aaron Burr. Uh-huh. So,
1: so the so the one in the musical of Waitress you're saying yes. is married to him. Yes. Oh my gosh!
0: I'm gonna go down a whole rabbit right? hole now. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty much what I did lately because I follow a bunch of Broadway stars on Instagram, and it's like making it's so- all of the things go together. I mean, I thought when I said waitress, I thought,
1: I mean, you'd be like, what is that? I mean, it's an older, more obscure movie. I cannot believe you knew all of those facts connected to that movie.
0: (laughs) I love it. There you go. All right. Last question. If you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum and zero is totally not crunchy, but 10 is like singing kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair, (laughs) where would you be on the spectrum?
1: I'm going to put myself right at five All because right. I'm not super crunchy with my like actual life, but I'm very crunchy with my um, ideals and yeah. some of my beliefs. Does that make sense?
0: And you have cloth napkins. And I have cloth napkins. So, thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. That's okay. a That's a strong five. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a joy to talk to you. I loved it so much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Good luck with your book release. Thank you. Wasn't that great? I just loved being able to go deeper and get a little bit more background with Shannon. It was so interesting to me. I love being able to get that kind of behind-the-scenes glimpse with a lot of the authors that I have on the show, and it was no different for Shannon. And thank you guys for bearing through all of these commercial breaks and whatnot where my voice is totally going. I appreciate that you put up with it and just that you allow me to be welcomed into your earbuds or speakers on a weekly basis. You guys don't know what it means to me, so thank you so much. Be sure to follow me over on Instagram at Mackenzie Coppa. I love being able to connect with you guys there, and I try to be on Insta stories on a daily basis, so that's a really fun way for me to be able to interact with you guys. And if you really like this episode, I would love if you guys would start a conversation about it in our Facebook community. It's a great place to be able to connect with other women who are also listening to the podcast and getting kind of the same content. It's almost like a book club. So you can run over there, share your highlights from the show, and we would love to hear them. Also, as always, you can find the show notes for this episode at BoldTurquoise.com forward slash 085. All right, ladies, I'm going to go rest my voice, get back on the lozenges so you don't have to listen to this gruffy, sensual voice anymore. But until next week, thanks for hanging in there with me and go be bold and gracious.